as you probably noticed, we're still um, tweaking sound systems. I think you're getting me, though, quite well. Can you hear me? Yeah, fantastic. Our call to worship this morning comes from the book of Isaiah. A voice cries out, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make a way straight in the desert, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the God shall be revealed and the people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We're going to start our service this morning by singing the hymn with which we finished last week as a kind of, of continuity and expressing our aspiration as a community of faith. If you're able and you're invited to stand as we sing, this part of the choir will be remaining seated so they don't obstruct the, the screen, which we're hoping to get a slightly better arrangement for in the future. Thanks, Sheila. Oh! 
So we come to God in prayer together, and after I have led us in prayer, we will share together in the Lord's Prayer, in whichever version and language feels the most natural, feels like the language of home. So let's pray together. It's been a bit of a week, God, from the high drama of closing and leaving our premises ahead of redevelopment to saying farewell to our oldest member, each marked with special services in different places. In between, there has been sad news for some of our congregation whose loved ones have died and concerns for the well-being of others who are frail, unwell or exhausted. It's been a bit of a week, yet we believe that you have shared it with us, weeping with those who have wept, lifting those who stumble, protecting those who feel they are weak. It's been a bit of a week, God, Yet, amidst all the demands upon our time, energy and emotion, there have been moments of lightness and brightness. The unexpected laugh-out-loud moments at some ridiculous observation. The sense of achievement when we have accomplished more than we dared imagine. The times when something totally unexpected brought a smile to our faces. It's been a bit of a week, yet we believe that you've shared it with us, rejoicing with those who have rejoiced, dancing with those who dance, travelling with us every step of the way. It's been a bit of a week, God, and you have shared every moment of it with us, in all its muddle and messiness, and for that we are thankful. Now, as we gather together to spend time consciously seeking you, we ask that you would renew our strength, refresh our hearts, and restore our courage for whatever lies ahead of us. God, in whom faith, hope, and love are perfected, accept our feelings, thoughts, and prayers, which we gather in the words Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
So here's a photograph from last Sunday. The church, the Trist, was all set up and ready for a service. The table was set beautifully, the model of the church in front of the table. And now here we are in this place, doing church, being church. We have our model of the church, and we have the box with all the precious things that go on our table. We had a bit of a joke before the service because we were still struggling to get all the bits and pieces we needed. And somebody said, well, I'll be the lectern. And somebody else said, I'll be the table for the projector. Thankfully, we have most of those, but I still need a little bit of help. So Holly has very kindly offered to look after the candles for me. I'm going to move the flowers down onto there. And I wonder if the children and young people would like to come forward and help me to dress the table. We'll open up the box and we will find all our precious things in there and we can reset the table. And I think you need to come around this way because um, we are a little bit cluttered this morning and I don't want anybody tripping over and having a nasty accident. So I'm going to lift this down onto this here table. Okay, so we're going to start with the purple cloth. So um, Freya and Sarah, can you put the purple cloth on? Yeah, I think you'll be okay, Freya. I'm sure you can manage not to go tripping too much. I just want to try and limit the amount of people who could trip over things. And then over the top of that, we'll need the white cloth. So how about Aidan and Fergus? Once the purple cloth's put on, if you two could put on the white cloth over the top of it. Doesn't have to be perfect, it's okay. We are the original messy church, so that's fine. So one this side, that's it. I'm on this side, and we'll get this on. Perfect. So why do you think we've got the white cloth on today? What's, when do we put the white cloth on usually? That's right, so it's a communion service today. So let's just try and get the lacy bit down the front. That's fabulous. And who would like to put on this cloth? Who's not done something? Right, Carl and Rory, you put the... This, this cloth on. Do you want to come back round, Aidan? So, so we just put one over the top. And who can tell me what's special about this cloth? Anybody know? We just put this one on that way. You don't have to open it completely out, but it's right. So do you want to pop that one on? What's special about this cloth? Anybody remember? Even the grown-ups. Anyone remember what's special about this cloth? It is well-remembered, Fergus. It's from Africa. So this was a gift from one of our overseas students. Um... Found a five-pound note. Well, hey, I don't know what that's doing in there. Um, right, we have the Bible. Um, we won't worry. Too. Normally, we open this at the right page for the day. Max, would you like to open up the Bible and pop that on the table for us? We haven't got the big lectern today because it was a bit too heavy to put in the box. So you pop that on. That's lovely. That's great. I'll turn it around so people... It's a good idea to stand it up, Max, then people can see that it's a Bible. And we have a cross. Merida, would you like to pop the cross on the table for us? Thank you. Can I put it, just turn it around so people can see it? And we have... I know we have another one of these. Who's not done anything? Who's, anybody not had a turn to put something on? All right, then, Carl, you can do that. So that's the chalice, which reminds us... Well, it reminds us of lots of things. This one comes from Partick, which is one of the churches we planted... Um, but it also reminds us of communion. And then we have all of these. And we're just going to pop these on the table. Just scatter them on the table. They don't have to be put tidily. Just scatter them on the table. These are the hopes 
and dreams and memories that we carried with us from last week. So you can just scatter those on the table, just any old how. Don't spend too long on it, because otherwise we'll still be here when the wedding needs to get in this afternoon, because the messiness of being in a hotel is we have a wedding following us later on today, which is really rather wonderful, if a little bit chaotic. I'm not sure what the purpose of the £5 note is, but we'll pop that in the chalice to keep it safe. Thank you ever so much for your help. That's brilliant. Um, Holly can find a space to put the candles back, I'm sure. I'm just going to move the Bible over there and the cross over there so that you can get the candles in. And if you want to go and sit down, Mary, that's wonderful. Lots of flammable things on the table. Just don't look. I'm not doing a fire risk assessment today. I did one for the closed building this week, but I'm not doing one for our communion. And uh, this is my makeshift lectern, which I'll put back up in a minute. So we're going to sing one of my favourite silly songs about the church. And it kind of fits with this idea that Holly was the candle holder and somebody else is the lectern and everything. That we are the church, not the building, not the things, however precious they are. So let's sing this song together before the children go on and uh, start thinking about refugee and things. Thanks, Sheila.
first from Isaiah chapter 11. <clears throat> the royal line of David is like a tree that has been cut down. But just as new branches sprout from a stump, so a new king will arise from among David's descendants. The Spirit of the Lord will give him wisdom and the knowledge and skill to rule his people. He will know the Lord's will and honour him and find pleasure in obeying him. He will not judge by appearance or hearsay. He will judge the poor fairly and defend the rights of the helpless. At his command, the people will be punished and evil persons will die. He will rule his people with justice and integrity. Wolves and sheep will live together in peace and leopards will lie down with young goats. Calves and lion cubs will feed together and little children will take care of them. Cows and bears will eat together and their calves and cubs will lie down in peace. Lions will eat straw as cattle do. Even a baby will not be harmed if it plays near a poisonous snake. On Zion, God's sacred hill, there will be nothing harmful or evil. The land will be as full of knowledge of <coughs> the Lord as the seas are full of water. A day is coming when the new king from the royal line of David will be a symbol to the nations. They will gather in his royal city and give him honour. And now in Romans chapter 15 from verse 1, from verse 4. Everything written in the scriptures was written to teach us in order that we might have hope through the patience and encouragement which the scriptures give us. And may God, the source of patience and encouragement, enable you to have the same point of view among yourselves by following the example of Christ Jesus, so that all of you together may praise with one voice the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, for the glory of God, as Christ has accepted you. For I tell you that Christ's life of service <coughs> was on behalf of the Jews to show that God is faithful to make his promises to their ancestors come true and to enable even the Gentiles to praise God for his mercy. As the scripture says, and so, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to you. Again it says, Rejoice, Gentiles, with God's people. And again, 
Praise the Lord, all Gentiles. Praise him, all peoples. And again, Isaiah says, a descendant of, Jake, of Jesse will appear. He will come to rule the Gentiles, and they will put their hope in him. May God, the source of hope, fill you with all joy and peace by means of your faith in him, so that your hope will continue to grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, of course, are Muslims, Gentiles. So today, a new phase in our life together begins in earnest. We've known it would happen. We've prepared for ourselves for it as best we can. And now it's a reality. The last few weeks have been incredibly busy. Some people worked very hard to create an act of worship that would say what we wanted and needed it to say as we closed our building. Some people have sorted, wrapped, packed, sold, donated and delivered everything from crockery to craft materials, Bibles to bookcases and frankly just about anything in between. In fact, yesterday we binned some bog brushes. Some people have faced huge events in their personal lives. Some have been deeply sad, others have been happy and exciting. Many maybe most of us arrive at this second Sunday in Advent tired. I'm tired and I've only just been back a week from two weeks holiday. Potentially we're tetchy, I'm certainly a bit tetchy and certainly in need of something that's a little bit encouraging and affirming rather than challenging or questioning. The lectionary readings for day, today are centred on a rather strange image, a tree stump from which new life emerges in the form of a branch. This image of Christ as the rod of Jesse or the branch that emerges from the stump of Jesse is a curious one and one that, if I'm honest, I've never really given much thought to. But maybe it's a helpful image for us to think about today. Anyone who has felled a tree or seen a tree that has been felled, however small or large, will know that if you leave it to its own devices, it will in due course produce new shoots. 
and that if the conditions are favourable, those shoots can become established as new branches. Indeed, sometimes you will see a very strange cockeyed tree growing out of the stump of an old, long-gone tree. And this potential within trees is employed in the process of coppicing. Trees are allowed to grow for a number of years, then they're cut off quite low down, the wood is sold or used to make things, and then they grow again to produce a new harvest of timber. And you can do this over and over again. Whilst reading about coppicing and pollarding, I, which is a similar process but done higher up the tree, I found myself thinking this is a bit like what we hear of in John 15, where Jesus talks about himself as the vine and us as the branches. And we have this idea that the branches that are fruitful are pruned, are cut back precisely in order to grow again. Whether the image of the branch that comes out of a tree stump that's imagined by the writers of Isaiah or Romans is the result of deliberate coppicing or not, I have no idea. But I like this image of this wild shoot that grows up, drawing from the rich nutrition of the earth. The roots are still there, even though the top's gone. The roots are still there in the earth, drawing in nutrition. And we have this image, which is really curious, of Christ as a wild shoot emerging from the remnant of something that's been felled and left dormant and, frankly, forgotten about. Maybe we have a bit of a sense of felling or pruning because, in some senses, we have been cut off from what went before us. And yet, just like the tree, our roots are deep and strong, planted firmly in the soil of Christian faith and witness. And after a time of rest, and perhaps already, new shoots are starting to emerge. New ideas will spring up. New ways of being and doing church will occupy us. I've already had people today saying, well, what about this in the new year? What about that after Easter? And that's exciting. I think it's a hopeful image. I think it's a defiant image. I quite like a bit of defiance sometimes. I think it's a surprising image. And I think it's an encouraging image. Out of what looks to be lifeless and finished, new life arises. It's almost like a symbol of resurrection, certainly perhaps a symbol of new birth. And so it's an appropriate image for Advent as we wait, at least metaphorically, for the coming or returning of Christ. The prophecy in Isaiah is elaborate and beautiful, attributing to the one who comes six or seven characteristics related to the Spirit of God. And these characteristics find outward expression in three ways, righteousness, equity, and faithfulness. That's not what it said in the version that Graham used, because I'm using the NRSV, and I think Graham was using the good news. And every time I pick on words, it goes wrong, but there we go. Good words, righteousness. Righteousness not as pious religiosity, but a life centred on the truths of God, the timeless truths of God. Equity, a passion for fairness, seeking justice for all. And faithfulness, not only as loyalty or religious devotion, but a kind of tenacious determination to keep on no matter what. 
as I read that and pondered those characteristics, I thought, well, this surely is exactly the kind of Christianity that we at Hill Head aspire to. So I'm not saying anything new there. And I'm not going to give challenges to exhausted people. I'm not going to be exhorting you to work even harder. What I am saying is I think that we should be encouraged by this reminder of what we are about and what we attempt. And to see that what we are is a bit like that shoot of Jesse. That's how we understand our faith. That's how we live our faith. That these very characteristics of Christ are consistent with our aspirations and our hopes in this new phase of our life together. That's a beautiful image of rugged resilience rooted deeply in Christ and hence in God. A community of faith characterised by Christ-like qualities, aspiring to live hopefully in a challenging and changing world. Perhaps it's a surprise that it's the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome who offers us words of hope to encourage our hearts and strengthen our resolve. This has been a bit of a Romans week for me. Uh, We had Romans at Gwyneth's funeral and Romans has cropped up elsewhere as well. He speaks of steadfastness and encouragement. Sorry, Graham, it's not patience, as the uh, good news said. Steadfastness, it's a much more resilient kind of word that's used. Firstly, in relation to the scriptures and then in relation to God. Reading the old stories of God's people, discovering or rediscovering wonderful images and metaphors encourages us to play our own part in the story. If they felt like this, which is how we might feel, if they messed up like that, and who knows, we will mess up at times, if they questioned the other, and we certainly question, and I've now lost my place, that shows me certainly right, doesn't it? Then maybe it's okay for us. If they felt that way, it's okay for us to feel that way. But also, if they trusted that God was faithful, dependent, steadfast, patient, if you go with the Good News translation, then so too can we trust that of God. God is reliable. God is patient. God is steadfast. God doesn't give up. God's not stuck in that building down the road. God's here with us, here as God is with us, everywhere. The stories can inspire us and encourage us, and that's good. But more importantly, the writer says these attributes are in God as well. God is steadfast and faithful, but don't miss this one. I've missed it however many times I've read Romans until this week. God encourages us. I think that's amazing. There are two ways in which God is often described. There's the horrible, stern ruler God who's going to smite you. And then there's a nice kind of cosy granddad God who will just indulge you. And those are not healthy. One makes us totally powerless. The other kind of risks infantilizing us. But here is God who encourages us. God who gives us the confidence to be who it is that we have the potential to be, to become what it is we have the potential to become. If part of Advent is about becoming, and I think it is, then God, what, then God encouraged us to do Advent, to make Advent a verb, 
to have an adventure, a process of becoming who it is we truly are. And in the NRSV version of this, this text, it's quite clear that encouraged by God, the community of faith learns to live together harmoniously and actually to kind of speak in one voice. But this isn't about unison, not all singing the same notes. This is about harmony, about different tones blended into something richer and more wonderful. It's not the voice of a soloist. It's the voice of a choir. Not uniformity, but reconciled diversity. A community of Gentiles, as Graham rightly reminded us, literally all nations, but in Bible times often a word that was used to those who perhaps were a bit on the outside. So it's an inclusive vision where people of every race, every age, of different sexualities, different educations, different political affiliations, whatever it may be, are welcomed and affirmed. And I know that's a journey we're on. I know we haven't got there yet, but that's what we are aspiring to be. Welcome one another as Christ welcomed you. That's what it says. Paul says that. Just imagine. Paul, the one we think is a bit, you know, welcome as you were welcomed. Yet we're not there yet. We might never quite get there, but with God's help and encouragement, we steadfastly, resolutely journey towards that hope. Returning to Christ as the root of Jesse, the visceral, wild, surprising, tenacious one sent by God to bring hope for all nations, the writer to the church at Rome closes with a simple and wonderful prayer. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's a prayer for us today. However we're feeling, and we will all be feeling differently, whatever life holds for us, and I know that is very different for different people, this prayer. May the God of hope fill each of us, individually and collectively, with all joy and peace in believing, so that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And not just for today but for every day. Amen. Lord of all hopefulness, Lord of all joy, whose trust ever childlike, no cares could destroy. There's that tenacious God. Be there at our waking and give us, we pray, your bliss in our hearts, Lord, at the break of the day.
sort of timeless place. You fill up your joyful expectations. Make us ready for the message that prepares the way, that with uprightness of heart and holy joy. In this very broken world of so many problems, may all individuals dealing with these, such as war, homelessness, alcoholism, drug addiction, abuse, depression, unemployment, mental and physical issues, and those coping with everyday living, may they be given hope through the concern of others. Today we begin a new chapter in our church's life and history. Let us work alongside each other, living and working in hope. and we bring with them our hopes and our dreams and our very selves, asking that you would encourage us and inspire us in how they are all employed to be and to speak good news in this world. Amen. And so as we prepare to meet around the Lord's table, we sing together. I suggest perhaps we remain seated for this one.
a guest room made ready, a secret signal that would lead those entrusted with preparation to do so safely, a gathering of friends for what would become their last supper together, a gathering of followers for what would become the first Lord's Supper ever. A conference room made ready. A series of emails to ensure the plans were in place. A gathering of friends for their first Lord's Supper in this place. A gathering of followers seeking sustenance for their continued journey of faith. An old story retold. A new chapter beginning. A continued telling and retelling of timeless truths. The Apostle Paul records it like this. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we follow Jesus' example and give thanks. Let's pray together. For this day of new beginnings and old remembering, we give you thanks. For these simple tokens and their timeless significance, we give you thanks. For this moment, this communion in bread and wine, we give you thanks. Bless this food to our bodies, nourish our hearts and souls, and send us onward in hope, in the name of Christ. Amen. So Jesus broke the bread, and he shared it with his friends. This was a new beginning, a new chapter in the story, a change from what had been and yet continuous with it. So as we eat bread together, of course we will remember other places and other times that we have shared bread. And of course we will remember other people who are not with us either today because they are away or unwell, but also because they are now kept safe in the love of God. So we eat in faith and gratitude and remembrance, seeking God's encouragement. And at the end of the meal, Jesus took a cup of wine said, this is the new covenant, the new promise, the new relationship between God and humanity, between God and creation, made and sealed in my blood.
mysterious words, troubling words, but words that should give us hope and encouragement and strength to keep on following in the footsteps of the one who spoke them. So we will retain our cups and we will drink together in harmony, symbolising that reconciled diversity to which we aspire. So in hope, in love, in renewed commitment, let's drink together in gratitude and faith. Dying, you destroyed our death. Rising, you give us life. Glory to you, Christ our Saviour, in whom our hope is found. Amen. bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance and give us hope and peace this day and always. <laughs>